You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, frenetic, fresh, and frequently frenzied friends. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 24. And of course, I'm your humble host, and I guess a little bit horse, today, <laughs> uh, Karen. And we are your zany zoo of zippy zealots, not xylocarps. <laughs> I'm Colin. I'm Dana. What's a xylocarp? Yeah, I'm curious Xylocarp, as well. I'm glad you guys asked. And that's spelled with an X. Okay. X-Y-L-O carp uh-huh. uh-huh you'd think it's like a xylophone made out of fish yeah musical that would be fish. my first yeah. assumption <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it is i found out it's kind of like a coconut it's like a fruit that has a hard and woody shell uh-huh. okay so, oh like a coconut is a xylocarp yep there right. another word that starts with an x that's not x-ray or xylophone for you to use that is xenophobe. Yeah. Oh, xenophobe yeah we're not even into the proper show yet and we're already dropping knowledge yeah yeah take that speaking of fruits and more knowledge i actually just read this five minutes before the show do you guys know what the state vegetable of oklahoma is mm. just off the top of your head i, I want to hope it's okra just so they can make some okra homa oh, yeah. jokes <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna blow your mind mm. it is a watermelon ah it's a vegetable okay. well so mm. the officials have mm. uh logically deduced that you know the watermelon is actually part of the cucumber family mm-hmm. oh. and they love watermelon so watermelons are state vegetable it's very logical but <laughs> except for the fact that cucumbers are officially fruit <laughs> uh, so no Chris today, obviously, and he's actually working at the Classic Gaming Expo in Las Vegas. We all know he's a big video game nerd. Yeah, he's, so, too, he's too big for us today. Professional. <laughs> professional nerd. He's, he is yeah. a professional video game nerd. And uh, we've all done a fair bit of traveling ourselves. I just came back from Chicago last night. And Colin, you just came back from... I came back from Paris. Paris! Uh, yes, I was yes. in France. Paris and Strasbourg as well for a couple of days. And uh, yeah, it was fantastic. I was holding down the trivia fort over here. Chris's Bill of Rights mnemonic. Came in handy? Came in handy at trivia. Yes. So today we have a... Super big show today and a super special show and for good reason. Um, We're pretty excited and let me just tell you a quick story. A few weeks ago, I got an email from a very cool and hip New York City-based menswear company called Bonobos. Like the primate. Like the primate. They sell like really cool crisp shirts and, and pants and, you know, really sharp and awesome looking men's clothes. And they told me that they listened to our show at their headquarters office. Yeah, yeah, Isn't that, that was, cool? That was awesome. That was really cool. Hi, Bonobos. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And and people there, like us, are giant, humongo trivia nerds as well. So, like peanut butter and chocolate, Sherlock and Watson, uh, Rhode Island and coffee milk, we thought maybe uh, Good Job Brain and Bonobos would make a pretty cool and good pair. And so, you know, you listen smart and you look smart. So we always kid about how, oh, we're looking for sponsorship and maybe, maybe someone will sponsor us. And it's happening. We're so excited to announce that our new BFFs, Bonobos, will be sponsoring this episode and a few of our upcoming shows as well. Woohoo! Now just change clothes. 
That means we have special Bonobos quiz segments, prizes, offers, and just general awesomeness in store for everybody. And rumor has it, the quizzers over at Bonobos are actually currently working on upcoming ways to stump us yes. in the future. And stump yeah. you, the listeners. Yes, yes. So and being the only guy present at the table <laughs> today, I can, in fact, vouch that they make good pants. You're wearing, they look nice. Yeah, they look very good. Colin's blushing yeah. now. Well, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think all guys will agree that one of the primary goals is, hey, is if women say you have nice looking pants, you're doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, let's do our first general quiz segment. Pop quiz, hotshot. And this week, we're actually going to do a very special Bonobos edition. Mm -hmm. Get your barnyard buzzers ready, everyone. The two of you, I guess, now. <laughs> and so the following questions are general trivia, but they're all kind of related to Bonobos in a way. So okay. we can learn a bit about them at the same time. Number one, if you don't know, Bonobo is a type of ape. Um, even though sometimes they're referred to as Bonobos monkeys, mm -hmm. they're technically apes. Right. They're okay. not monkeys. And um, they're kind of famous. If you are into science, you might know that bonobos, they like to have a lot of sex. Yes, yeah. yes. Anthropology. They're, yeah, they're studied a lot by uh, anthropologists, yes, for what they can learn about human behavior. Yes. Uh, quote, high levels of sexual activity, uh, which I promise, I promise uh, we will get into more detail in a later episode Ooh. because we all know. Karen likes to talk about things doing it. <laughs> <laughs> we love weird animal facts and specifically weird animal reproduction right. facts. Right. So it's only a matter of time until the needle comes around to that as a topic. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> but speaking of sex, uh, it was discovered by scientists in Argentina that the drug sildenafil citrate aids jet lag recovery in hamsters. <laughs> yeah. You can give I, them... I cannot tell you how many times <laughs> that has ruined a business meeting for me. <laughs> you need some sildenafil citrate. What is that more commonly called? I believe that's Viagra. Correct. <laughs> yes, you can feed your hamsters, your jet lag hamsters, Viagra. Perks they... them up. <laughs> Perks them up. For four hours. <laughs> or less. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for, yeah, for an awake hamster lasting longer than four hours. <laughs> Consult call, your veterinarian. Call your hamster doctor. <laughs> Who's funding these highly focused studies? Argentina, apparently. All right. All right. <laughs> Keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> Uh, number two. So the name of this type of fabric is derived from the Persian word for soil. Mm. And back in the day, this term became part of the English language thanks to the British Indian Army. What type of fabric am I talking about? Fabric. Oh, uh, is it muslin? Incorrect. Mm. Um. It can be a color or a fabric. Okay. Oh, I, I have another guess, but if uh, uh, indigo? No, it Dang is it. All right. khaki. Oh, oh of course. Okay. British, right. Okay. Khaki comes from meaning... Uh, the word for soil, soil in Persian. Okay. But I thought the word khak means poo. <laughs> like, <I thought laughs> poo colored. <laughs> poo colored, too. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some overlap meanings. Okay. <laughs> yes. way, to, way to take it down a level, Dana. <laughs> Sorry. We're all giggling now. <laughs> Poop is funny. <laughs> okay, number three. Tech companies like Hewlett-Packard, Xerox, Pinterest, Mashable, and of course, electric motor company Tesla, all have headquarters in what U.S. city? Is it um, uh, San Mateo? 
incorrect. Is it close to there? Yes. Is it Palo Alto? Correct.、Ah. Palo Alto, one of the big、uh, tech Silicon Valley cities in the area, and it's also where Bonobos had their start too, because、ah. the founders went to Stanford Business School. Yay, Stanford! Dana, <laughs> Karen and I are a little conflicted, being well, we're all Cal grads, but Dana has、uh, also some Stanford、uh, credit as、They、well. They were nice to me. We <laughs>、okay. have a little bit of school rivalry there. Yeah, I went to both schools. Yeah,、so、I, yeah. I do. You can claim、really、you can claim allegiance to both. Yeah. yeah. Okay, number four. So Bonobos had been lauded in a lot of fashion magazines for their awesome pants and jeans,、um, like in Esquire and GQ, and very very spiffy magazines. Yeah. And you know what? There are so many times in pub trivia where we're asked about iconic magazine covers, Time Magazine Man of the Year,、right. or who's on this iconic cover and、mm-hmm. whatnot. So, in 1968, what magazine featured a controversial cover image of Muhammad Ali being pierced by six arrows? Do you guys remember that photo? Yeah, yeah. What magazine was it? Hmm. I, I'll guess Sports Illustrated. It is Esquire. Esquire.、Oh. Was it an allusion to uh, Saint uh, Sebastian? Wow, you're really smart. <laughs> <laughs> it is Saint Sebastian. He's like a Christian martyr, right? And was it, put to death by, as I understand it or remember, basically he was bound to a tree and shot to death with arrows.、Mm-hmm. And so, like that in in the religious iconography, if you see, you know, the saint with, and usually it's just an arrow or two sticking out. That's Saint Sebastian. He's the patron saint of athletes. Okay,、mm-hmm. last question. Paronomasia. Is a form of wordplay which suggests two or more meanings by exploiting multiple meanings of words or similar-sounding words for an intended humorous effect. That is paranomasia. This is also more commonly known as what? Is it puns? Correct, <laughs> pun. I tried to look for the root of the word pun,、ah. but I think it's just so. Uh, so old, so old, colloquial. But you know, the official, or I guess the more technical term, is paranomasia. Huh? Yeah. And I threw in this question because if you go to Bonobos's website, you can see that they really win the award for like best pants names. <laughs> Seriously, congrats to this guy who decides on all the names because they're fantastic. Yeah, they're all a lot of fun. Really punny, and that must be one of the most awesomest job in the world. Do you have any good examples? So they have a pair of dark khakis. They call. Gram slackers. <laughs> <laughs> They're sort of the dark color tread. The cappuccinos. Oh, I like it. No, I actually love puns. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. So there you go. Hope you learned a little bit about our fabulous sponsor,、uh, Bonobos. So they're giving Good Job Brain listeners a special twenty percent off offer for new customers using their code. Of course. Smarty pants.、Uh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Really, that's great. That's great. So you can go to、uh, www.bonobos.com. That's B-O-N-O-B-O-S.com and check out all of their great stuff. And the code once again is Smarty pants. A space、Yay. between or no? No space. There's some nice clothes on check, there. Check them out.、Yeah. I do recommend them. I'm wearing them right now. I was jealous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we wish we can wear those clothes. It'd be awesome. Pants for the fellas, shirts and cool styles and unique prints and awesome accessories and completely free and easy U.S. shipping and return and perfect for work, for school, and of course, looking smart at pub trivia. Yeah. So we are recording this episode today is Sunday, August twelfth. Today is the closing ceremony yep, yep. of the Olympics. 
And we thought before we wait another four years uh, <laughs> for people getting all caught up in Olympic fever, we would do an episode on the Olympics. But I'm sure we've all heard about or read about the big Olympic news and such, right? right? But what about all the weird facts and histories that most people don't know about? So for today's show, we're going to specifically talk about the weird, the bizarre, and the lesser known facts and trivia about the Olympics. Woo! Woo! have been getting a lot of mail through Twitter, Facebook, and email asking us, where's the dedicated Olympics episode? Nikki Metcalf on Facebook said, every pub quiz right now must be filled with Olympic questions right now. So how can we help people out? I mean, even leading up, we've, uh, I hate to say it, missed a couple Olympic questions uh, in the run up. Things like country codes, you know, which we'll get to a little bit more later. Yeah, all kinds of what weird... cities? Right. Oh. Cities, cities to mascots. And predicting one of the big questions at Pub Trivia will be about the Olympics logo. Oh, yeah. The five rings. So we know the colors are, there's blue, there's black, there's red there's green and there's yellow right. and of course actually there's a sixth color and this is really important technically there are six colors in the olympic logo which is the is the white, white background the yep. right right mm-hmm. right well i was just gonna say i, I think I'm, i might be i think i see where you're going like i remember learning once that those colors were picked because they represented the colors of the flags of the world meaning that every flag every flag in the world had at least one of those colors in it is that is that something like that i think that's the modern interpretation now oh, i think okay. before they're supposed to represent a, a lot of the the different countries participating in it mm. uh, i don't think there were gunning for the whole world mm-hmm. but now i think it is it is of all the, logically the participating true. nations right, yep, right. Yep. and and the number of rings refers to the five continents is that right the five well technically five parts of the world involved in the olympics at that time ah. and that was like about in the early 1900s so that's 1912 and so the six colors are supposed to appear on all of the national flags that competed in the Olympic Games at that time. Okay, okay. That makes more sense because there probably wasn't a strong fielding team from Antarctica. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, they have white. White's in their flag. And I actually made a little mnemonic to help you remember the colors in order. Obviously, white is not in this mnemonic because that's the background and hopefully... You should be able to remember that. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going left to right, kind of zigzagging. Sort of like it's like in a W shape, basically, right? So it's the colors are blue, yellow, black, green, and then red. Blue, yellow, black, green, red. And so my mnemonic is bludgeon your bladder gets it red <laughs> what <laughs> which is probably bludgeoning true it's probably true bludgeoning tr- your bladder bludgeoning your bladder gets it red so blue yellow black green, green red, red. that actually works yeah. pretty well bludgeon your bladder gets it red <laughs> so there you go that's gonna show up in a lot of pub quizzes i bet here i have a general olympics quiz that i've put together and this is sort of in the spirit of a sports quiz for non-sports fans which i've done before so mm-hmm. you're you know, lucky because your audience is, <laughs> is dana and me yeah. so the, the idea is that you can reason these answers out you can make educated guesses and because they're olympics you know i, I think that all of us have it 
at least some fascination with Olympic sports. So, so we'll, here, we'll go right in, and uh, I think you guys will do pretty well. Since the modern Olympics started up in 1896, the Summer Olympics, there have been five sports that have been featured at every Summer Olympics since then. Never been dropped. Some have gone away and come back, but these five have been at every Olympics. Consistent. Consistent. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, some of these are kind of wide-ranging. So uh, athletics is one. And when we say athletics, that's what we usually think of when we talk about track and field. Okay. So all the track and field, those all are all part of athletics. Okay. Swimming is another one. All the swimming events, the number of races has varied. And artistic gymnastics. So the parallel bars and the pommel horse and the rings, those kind of things. So those are three of the five. Okay. What are the other two sports that have been at every Summer Olympics in the modern games? Okay, guessing... Dana. Wrestling and oh, weightlifting? Oh, that was my guess. Uh, wrestling is a great guess, but no. <gasps> Greco-Roman wrestling. Is- it, it was there in the, in, the, in the original Olympics, but it has not been in every Olympics since oh. then. It did make a departure for a while. And weightlifting. Weightlifting, also a good guess, but no. Mm. One of these is uh, a very classic sport. Rowing. Oh, no. Also a good guess. It, it is fencing. Oh. And cycling have been oh. in every Olympics since the modern Olympics started up again. So let's see. So it's cycling. Cycling, fencing, fencing athletics. Which is track and field. Track and field, right. Uh, swimming. swimming and gymnastics. Yeah. That's right. Have been have not taken a break. And you're right. Wrestling was there at the beginning, but it went away for a little while and came back. And uh, tennis was there, in fact, at the very first Olympics. And yeah. that went away and came back. I'm surprised weightlifting wasn't because it seems like basic. Like, yeah, so basic. All you'd have to do is have a big rock and see who can pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> or, even, like, or even wrestling. You just have two dudes. Yeah. yeah I, was mo- each other. I was more surprised that wrestling had not been there consistently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that would have been my first. So you don't yeah. need a special equipment. You yep. don't really need yep. a special. It's just so you just need just a mat basic, and right. two yeah. angry dudes. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to be angry. <laughs> so speaking of uh, athletics and track and field, uh, the shot put has been a longstanding Olympic event. It was there at the beginning. What What is the shot put? Why is it called the shot put? Can you explain either or both parts of that? Shot and put. I, oh, did it used to be like a cannonball? That is exactly oh, right. Oh, I am a genius. It basically comes from a, an old competition that goes back <laughs> most likely to medieval times. Um, and there are absolute records of cannonball hurling competitions. It was. It basically came from military kind of training games of soldiers would see how far they could essentially hurl a cannonball. <laughs> the direct uh, predecessor of our modern out as shot like put. A drinking bet. Oh, of course. And like, the put and the put really is just because you're not throwing it overhand like a baseball. You're kind of just pushing it. You can't and really yeah. throw right. it. It is shot. It is a yeah. cannon shot. The modern awards that we give out the top place finisher, gold, silver, and bronze medals, that only dates back to the 1904 Olympics. In the 1896, the first games of the modern Olympics, what did the top finishers receive? Oh, it sounds like a trick question. Yeah. Not a trick question. Not a trick question. Was it Dana. just gold and silver? It was your just clothes. silver. It was just silver to the first place, copper medal to the second place, and nothing for third place. <laughs> um, you get nothing. Right. Now, okay. now, in addition to the medal, so first place got a silver medal, an olive branch, and a diploma. Second place got a copper medal, a laurel branch, and a diploma as well. And third place just got a hearty handshake, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is according to the official uh, IOC records. Yeah. And it's so weird because we're so trained to thinking that first place is gold, second place is yeah, silver, yeah, yeah. third place is bronze. Yep. Just incidentally, they have since retroactively assigned 
assigned gold <laughs> gold medals to those first place people. Okay. So when they do these like tallies of most gold medals all time, they sort of updated those original standings. It's very confusing. So, like they meant gold. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah. retroactive inflation. What was special about the swimming events held at the 1908 Summer Games in London? Give us a clue. It was a first. The first time they filled the pool with jello. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that were that. I know. Uh, you're in the right ballpark. Uh, oh, man. That was the, the first. Freestyle jello <laughs> the freestyle jello event. The freestyle jello. nail biter. <laughs> that was the first uh, Summer Games where the events were held in a swimming pool. The three prior Olympics to that were not held in a pool. Where were they held? So in Athens at the 1896 Games, they swam in open water in the oh. Bay of Z, Z-E-A. They, they literally took the guys out on boats dropped them in the water and they held the events out in open water with currents and frigid temperatures in yeah. 1900 in the paris games you can probably guess they swam in the seine yeah. which w by all accounts was not a very hygienic place to be swimming so they swam in the seine and again having to deal with currents and cold temperatures uh and then in the 1904 games in st louis they were in a lake in forest park okay. which at least was contained i suppose oh, weird. Uh, yeah so uh, nice little symmetry there with the games being in London this year. Uh, again, they had the first pool-based swimming events. Uh, the following sports have all been demonstration events at the Olympics, except for one. So now going back to the original what games. Is a, what is so, a demonstration okay, okay. event? So, so um, for most of the games in the early years and even up, uh, well until pretty recently, they, they would have a demonstration event or sort of a, a trial event where it's more for kind of just to show it off and introduce it to the Got world, it. see if it maybe would work to be incorporated. And several sports were incorporated from demonstration events into actual events. Like uh, most recently, I think curling is a good example. Curling in the Winter Olympics started as a demonstration event and then it was incorporated into a full-fledged oh. event. So I'm going to give you a list of five events. Do they um, still give out medals? No, no, no. Sorry. Yeah, good question. They, uh, they, they don't give out medals. They're more just kind of, here, we're demonstrating this event world. See if you like it. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to give you five events. One of these was not a demonstration event. Water skiing, bowling, hot air ballooning, horseshoes, and motorcycling. Oh. I want to say horseshoes. That's my Correct. guess. Correct. Oh, yeah. 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 Good, good guess. Yeah. The one on there that most surprised me was hot air ballooning. See, that is <laughs> oh. too weird that that's the red hair. <laughs> you want us to say balloon because it's so weird and that's why it's not. No, but you remember when we were talking about the duels from the hot air balloons? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Was a I thing. mean, it was a thing. People it was did a thing. It. Yeah. yeah, that was 1900. Uh, motorcycling, 1904. Bowling, the most recent, 1988. But wow. I kind of remember that. Yeah. I was in, in a bowling league. Men's and women's bowling. In the <laughs> we were the worst in the league. We were terrible. <laughs> so no one on your team went on to the Olympic We were little kids, but we were the worst little kids. <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys have those like little balloons that fill up uh, the bumper bowling. oh yeah yeah that's fun i actually want to do that as yeah. an adult yeah, can't too. Find yeah. To they fill it. up yeah you can never ever get a no losing zero. Yeah. it doesn't yeah it doesn't matter how much you drink or how low your skill you're still going to get it and knock a pin down yeah when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right. I have a couple questions here. We, uh, I referred to the, uh, the IOC country codes earlier. Ooh. And these, I always find these fun. So these are the three-letter official codes for each country. And some of them are very obvious. America is USA and Russia is RUS. And so a lot of them are fairly logical. Okay. Some of them are a little more obscure and take some figuring out. But I think they always make for good trivia questions. Wait, so these are... These are only for the Olympics. That's right. These are IOC codes. And some of them may overlap with like world championship codes or other things like that. But and, and the list has changed over the years, but this is from the most current list. These are the official codes that if you're watching the Olympics right now, you'll see. Okay. Uh, there are 200 different codes. Um, so I'm going to ask you just a couple questions here. All right. So one of these country codes is ASA which is American Samoa. Oh, okay. Okay. So there are two more palindromic country codes, and I think you guys can get these. These are, these are reason-out-able. P-A-P. For what country? Papua New Guinea. No, incorrect. Uh, one is in South America. One is in Central America. Ooh, South America, Uruguay. Correct. You, you are, are you, Uruguay. Uruguay. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. One more. Central so you got the South. So Central America. Costa Rica. Costa Rica. What, wait, what's Costa Rica? CRC. Oh, okay. So that would be like COS. Yes, yeah. Coast so we have ASA, American Samoa, CRC, Costa Rica, URU, Uruguay. Wow. Did you go through all 200 codenames to find yes, that? Yes, I did. Good job. <laughs> Good job, Colin. <laughs> Luckily, they're available in convenient table format. All right. One last question here uh, around the country codes. So I'm going to give you three codes, and you tell me what they stand for. Okay. I'm going to give them to you in a list, and you just work on them all at once. Okay. All right. T-U-N, T-U-R, and T-U-V. Tunisia. Correct. That's T-U-N. T-U-N is Tunisia. T-U-R is Turkey. Correct. Turkey is T-U-R. T-U-V. Tuvalu? Tuvalu. Correct. Yes. Yes. Good job, guys. My question is, my burning question is, I remember a a while ago when they announced the London Olympics, people were all really jazzed and psyched, and they, they debuted the London Olympic mascots. Do you remember that? That was like a couple years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. People were not very happy. They though. were, I feel honestly like they've just been getting kind of stranger over the last few Olympics. But this yeah. this year in particular, he was like, it was like the one-eyed alien, right? Or They represented the Industrial Revolution or something. <laughs> <laughs> that is just way too high concept. Yeah. <laughs> I just want a corgi. I want some tiger cubs. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a corgi. A corgi. That's uh, perfect. Uh, yeah. yeah. We're done. Well, when they have so so what happened to them i haven't seen any of the mascots Wait, what were their names it was winlock wenlock and mandeville wenlock and mandeville oh mm. rolls off the tongue yeah. <laughs> the mascots though are usually kind of my favorite part of the uh favorite i i enjoy the mascots yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I mean it's cute because yeah. they do different sports and stuff did you know that the tradition for Olympic mascots hasn't been around since the beginning. It started actually in 1968. Oh, that's, Whoa, that's, that's really late. recent. Yeah. Yeah. The Winter Olympics in France were the first time. And that same year, they did it in Mexico City, too. 
Oh, so yeah. what was the first one? The first one was a skier. It was like, uh, a, it's, like a, it's not a like an anthropomorphized. No. <laughs> but after that, they got the red jaguar in the in Mexico. That's when it really started becoming the animal trend. And they started yeah. giving them cutesy names and things like that. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's when they discovered the power of merchandising. So I'm gonna do a mascot quiz with you guys. Yeah. To see if you remember. But to make it fair. Uh, fair for our listeners and a little more, maybe a little more interesting to guess what the answers are. I'll give you all the summer cities since 1968 really fast. So Mexico City, Munich, Montreal, Moscow, Los Angeles, Seoul, Barcelona, Atlanta, Sydney, Athens, Beijing, and London. Mm. Ooh, I think I only start remembering from Seoul. Yeah. I think I think we'll be okay. All right. We're getting, we're in this together. Let's rock let's and do roll. This. All right, let's do this. All right. So this is for Karen. I think I think you're gonna know the answer to this. Okay. I mean that I means it's you, a dog. It's, it's a dog. <laughs> uh there were five mascots in the two thousand and eight Summer Olympics in Beijing oh, in China. Oh, I remember. Do you remember what they are? They're all pandas. No. no. What animals were they? A fish, a giant panda. The Olympic flame, which is not an animal. <laughs> it's a bed and antelope and a swallow. Yeah. I, thought, I just remember the pandas. So which Olympics mascot had Sam the bald eagle? <laughs> or two American ones. That was uh, that was L.A. in 84. Or... Is it Sam the eagle from the Muppets? <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. The big blue uh, yeah, eagle character. That's... Which one was the first computer generated mascot? Oh, oh, what does that mean? Let's see. Computer. I want to say this year's the London ones. No, it was '96 in Atlanta. It was the, Izzy the What's It. Izzy the What? And it, it would change its shape. It would be a boat sometimes, or like <laughs> random. That's a cop out. <laughs> it's computer generated. <laughs> <laughs> so you mean he was just like CGI created, or yeah, interesting. Which Summer Olympics game had the mascots Ollie, Sid, and Millie? Oh, Ollie. Oh, uh, it's got to be uh, Sydney, right? Yes. Like Sid for Sydney, Millie for Millennium, oh. because it was the 2000 Games and Ollie Olympics. Got what it. were they? It was a kookaburra, a platypus, and a echidna. Oh, an echidna. 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 There was an um, unofficial mascot that became more popular than the official mascots, and it was to make fun of the commercialization of the mascots. <laughs> <laughs> it was super edgy. It was a wombat. It's Fatso, <laughs> Fatso the Wombat. <laughs> Not sanctioned by the IOC. No. Fatso the Wombat. Yeah. <laughs> so which mascot was drawn in a cubist style? Uh, that is Barcelona 92, Colby the Catalan Sheepdog. Ah, nice. Of bam. That, got it. Got it. Of course. When the... it's a dog, I know it. Picasso being one of the fathers of cubism. <laughs> okay, so this was the most, maybe one of the most famous mascots, according to Wikipedia. At least. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it must okay. be true. So this mascot was drawn by a children's book illustrator and went on to become the first mascot of a sporting event to achieve large-scale c- commercial success. It was a doll, it had an animated short film, and it was a TV animated cartoon. Huh. I Man, I don't know. It was 1980. Okay, so 80. Oh, 80 was uh, Moscow. Yes. So, oh, so, okay, a red bear of some kind? I don't know. It wasn't a red bear. It was Misha the bear. Ah. Cute. It was really cute. I've seen it around. I didn't realize it was Misha from the Olympics bear. Yeah. Hmm. Good job. 
you know, as we were getting ready for the show, like doing a lot of research, one of the things that I had the most fun with was like seeing how equipment and stuff has changed. Over oh, time. yeah. Like obviously the, the record keeping and timekeeping gets more precise as, you know, clocks and mechanisms get more precise. But, you know, just very quickly, one of the things was, you know, how they had outlawed the special swimming suits from two oh, Olympics yeah. ago. They were saying, you know, you're not going to see as many world records being set because they just felt the suits were too good. So I was looking back, you know, we see the uh, the track events, the, the runner into the starting blocks and you, they're the little things behind the feet that they brace their feet on when they push out. Mm-hmm. Do you know what they did before they had starting blocks? Like I assumed this was something that went all the way back but starting blocks are fairly modern. They really didn't have them until 1929. I just guess nothing. <laughs> they, that would, they would dig holes into the dirt track and before the start of the track events they would have trowels little shovels available and each racer would be responsible for digging his there was a man at the time digging his own little holes into the ground that he would dig his feet into to start out of and of course this would leave holes all over the track and it was just no no way to maintain a proper running surface so this was just how they did it you'd be responsible for digging your own hole and you would dig out of that like a divot uh until they had the bright idea of well you know what if we had just a block of some sort <laughs> that we could actually push off of? Um, the basic principle hasn't changed. Uh, they've gone from wood to higher tech materials and the way they're attached to the track is different now. They probably standardized it a lot yeah. better now, right? Yeah. They're oh, all the same model, same make, it's same the weight. same model, right. And in fact, if you watch closely, you can see that all of the starting blocks in the modern events have, there's a little speaker that's embedded into the track. And do you guys want to guess what the speaker is for? You can probably figure this out no one to start it's so for, that for... the sound of the starter pistol reaches each sprinter at the exact same time so that oh. the person who's closest to the starter pistol doesn't have an unfair advantage this is how carefully precise they want to be about it so the speaker funnels the sound sometimes it's a tone often it's a starting pistol so that they each hear it at the same moment and this is how far the technology has come from holes being dug in the dirt. So I don't know if you guys have been watching beach volleyball. Beach oh, yeah, volleyball, yeah, very yeah, yeah. popular sport <laughs> yes. for both I wonder why. women and men. So you know how when they dive in the sand, they roll around and they, and they uh. get up and they're spotless. Like none of the sand stick on them. Uh. Whereas when we go to, we go to the beach, <laughs> yeah. sand's no. everywhere. It's in my mouth. And it's, yeah. yeah. And everything. <laughs> and you know, for years I've been wondering, I was like, is this some kind of crazy like tech sand? Like, is it fake? When they play beach volleyball, they kind of fake a lot of things. And, you know, they have like really bright lights right. to simulate the sun. What about the sand? Why doesn't the sand get into all of their sweaty bodies? And I stuff? just assumed because it was just super clean, high high quality uh, sand or something. I thought they had special Olympian bodies. <laughs> don't, <laughs> they don't get they, lotion. They sweat differently than we yeah, do. Special <laughs> anti-sand lubricants. But no, actually, you're right. It is some of the best sand in the world. <laughs> and believe it or not, it is a strictly regulated type of sand. So there's no little stones or pebbles, no shell, all pretty much the same size and weight and shape. And they have people who rake it regularly to keep it not densely packed. It has a nice subtle lemon flavor to it. (laughs) It's really, this is, this is the cream of the crop in terms of sand. And it's nuts. It's really just very well picked sand. There are people who go and pick the sand. Is that nuts? That is kind of amazing. You'd think they would come up with some sort of synthetic sand. They've talked about how it would cost so much more to come up with that 
volume of synthetic sand that they can only use like once every four <laughs> years than to just hire some dudes raking sand on the side. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I, in high school, I, I played volleyball and like when we would go play on the beach from time to time, honestly, we were just happy if there were no chunks of broken glass and cigarette yeah. butts. Like that was pretty much our standard for, oh, there's, this is good sand. I only saw t- <laughs> two cigarette butts and a Gatorade cap. It's <laughs> not too much cat poop in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not too much. Not too much. It's regulated by the International Volleyball Federation. I want to roll through some Olympic sand yeah. just to see how it feels like. I wonder if people try and steal handfuls <gasps> of it. I bet they do. I want to. I Going on eBay them. right now. Yeah, Olympic just get a beach little jar back. Sand. I want to yeah. see this awesome sand. They could probably sell that as a souvenir mm. for a lot. Little jars of beach Let's sand. Let's write a letter, you guys. <laughs> Dear London Olympics. Can I have some sand? <laughs> also, your mascot should have been a corgi dog. <laughs> Do you guys know who Sergei Bobka is? Bobka. Bobka. It's Bubka. fun to say. Bobka. It is fun to say. Booby. Sergey Bobka <laughs> is the current uh, world record holder in pole vault. When Wait, I, which one's pole vault? Pole vault is the one where they have the, they run the long stick and you jump up as high as you can and clear the crossbar. It's so random. It's yeah. so random. And they would get so high on this pole and it curls up and they bounce and they fly over. <laughs> Sergey Bobka is the current world record holder. He is a very, 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 very famous uh, Ukrainian athlete, possibly the most famous Ukrainian athlete. Before the breakup of the Soviet Union, he competed for Russia. But what, what he's primarily primarily so famous for is being extremely dominant in his sport, more dominant than any other athlete in his or her sport, to the extent that he set the record over 30 times. Every time he set the record, he was basically breaking his own record. There was yeah. the only time he ever lost his world record at a meet, he claimed it back again in that same meet. <laughs> so this is how dominant he was, that he was competing against himself for the bulk of his career. So what really interested me about Sergey Bobka is the way that he would compete. So since he was just competing against himself, he would basically never jump higher than he had to. So for most of his jumps, he would raise the bar the absolute minimum Minimum. you could, So, which is one centimeter at most meat, because his reasoning was, why jump higher than I have to if I'm only competing against myself? If you look at his, like, the last 10 times he set his record, it was only by one centimeter at a time. There was the other half of the story came out, and it makes so much sense now. It wasn't just for competition, it was also financial. So when he was competing for Russia throughout the 80s, there were financial rewards for things like winning events and financial rewards for setting world records. He's a smart dude. He's a smart man. So he would set a world record at an event and claim his prize, you know, both from the event oftentimes and from the Russian government. And then he would wait, you know, there's no need to set another world record until the next event and claim more rewards and more financial payouts from the Soviet Union at that time. In a way, it's very kind of calculating, but I think it's brilliant. He's that good. He's that good. He's that good. And he, I think this should be a term like to pull a Sergei Bubka is to do just the little that you have to do to set a new mark and then wait for somebody else to beat it. What is in some ways kind of ironic, he only has one Olympic medal. So he's one of these guys who was kind of cursed at the Olympics. So all of his records come in world championships and other track meets. The first Olympics in 84 that he would have been eligible for, they boycotted the Soviet Union. So he didn't compete. His next Olympic in 88 was where he got his one gold medal in Seoul. He didn't clear in 92. He had a foot injury in 96, and he didn't clear in the 2000 games, and then he retired the year later. For somebody who's considered, you know, the most dominant in his sport ever, he has one medal, 
and it's a gold medal. Have you seen King of Kong? Yes. I was just so, thinking about that. Yes. Yeah, so I exactly. I think that in King of Kong, yeah. that that is the same phenomenon going on. The world record holder in Donkey Kong had, had this super high score. And then, and so this upstart comes and he gets a better score than the previous world record. And then the previous world record holder has a videotape of himself getting a slightly higher score than that. And it sounded like there were rumors that he had like a room full of videotapes of himself mm-hmm. getting yep. slightly yep. higher scores. And I made that exact comparison when I saw Very the movie. Smart. I'm like, he's the yeah. Sergei Bobka of video games. So that's Olympic fever talk. A lot of things that you don't hear about. It's very interesting. And we have our final quiz segment. And our final quiz segment is a music round. Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery, from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts, or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. So we have a music round and it's a little bit different because I need two part answers and I'll tell you the theme. So we know in pop music, there's a lot of songs that sound very familiar, sometimes too familiar. <laughs> right, outright rip off sometimes. Rip off sampling uh, inspired by. So here I have the original sources and then you have to identify the artist in the song and also what song samples it. Samples what song famously? Okay. okay. All okay. right. All right. And uh, here we go. This first one will kind of whet everybody's appetite. Uh, well, that, uh, okay, so two parts. So that the original is Under Pressure, which mm-hmm. is uh, David Bowie and Queen, I believe, a joint effort. And famously sampled, <laughs> if not infamously sampled Stop. by... Collaborate and listen. <laughs> Vanilla Ice in Ice uh, Ice, Ice Baby. He argued Baby. it was different, though. Yeah, that is just one of the most pathetic things, yeah. So him. he would argue it wasn't a sample, right? Right, Because right. he took out one of the beats or something like that. Yeah. No, he added an additional note. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry. So bum, 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 bum. <laughs> you know, Vanilla Ice was ultimately forced to pay... Queen and David Bowie, and mm-hmm. they were actually retroactively given the songwriting credit ah. for the sample. All right, second one. You're hearing howling around your kitchen door. You better not get him in. Little old lady got mutilated late last night. Werewolves of London again. 
were first? Uh, so the original uh, that I know is uh, Werewolves of London, uh, mm-hmm. Warren Zevon. Correct. Uh, the, the the piano in particular, and I I think it was uh, it was Kid Rock, right? It was. Uh, I'm, it is. I'm, I'm really ashamed <laughs> yeah. that I know this was Kid Rock, and that was the one that was the one where he sampled two songs, right? He sampled, all summer long. Okay. He sampled both Werewolves of London, and, and it was uh, uh, Sweet, Sweet Home, Home Alabama, Alabama, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Leonard Skinner. Very good. And here's number three. Huey Lewis and the yes and, and the news and the don't news. shortchange the, the news, news Dana I want a new drug yes and then at first I thought it was the Ghostbusters song uh-huh. <laughs> exactly yeah. wait what correct wait the Ray Parker Jr. Ghost but it sounds like Ghostbusters yes so actually funny story the producers of the film of Ghostbusters approach Huey Lewis and be like oh can you help us write a song and at that time Huey Lewis declined the offer because he was actually working on the soundtrack for Back to the Future yes and so they gave uh, the, the, the option to Ray Parker Jr. And when they got the song back, the Ghostbusters theme, Huey Lewis sued Ray Parker Jr. for copyright infringement, claiming that the the, the melody was stolen from I Want a New Drug. And Ah. they actually settled off of court, but there was some... So that's less a sample as more of a copy. Inspired by... (laughs) Rip-off! In the style of Huey Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) And here we go. That's uh, Can't Hurry Love is uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes, right? I forget Mm -hmm. if it was Solo or... um, The Supremes. Okay, the Supremes. And then the sample... The opening beat sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? it, Is it Lust for Life? Iggy Pop? Yes. You know, it's funny. I I may be exposing my ignorance until just now. I never really thought about that Lust for Life. It does. The same drum beat. It Mm -hmm. is. Also, relatedly, there's also... uh, There was trouble between the band, the current band, Jet, with their hit. Yes. You might remember from... Well, yeah, from the the iPod commercial, Are You Gonna Be My Girl, also uses that similar beat. So there was some drama between Iggy Pop and Jet because it was so similar, but then there was this information about, well, this kind of sounds like the Supreme, so who's really at fault? And they had to settle it with a steel cage match between Diana Ross and Iggy Pop, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) I bet Diana Ross won, too. (laughs) She's spicy. It was clear that it was her song. (laughs) (laughs) So no documents have been released stating whether or not Iggy Pop or Jet had to pay Motown because this was a Motown team. Right, right. Very similar, huh? It really is. Yeah. And last one. They're really rocking in Boston and Pittsburgh, PA. Deep in the heart of Texas and around the Frisco Bay. All over St. Louis and down in New Orleans. All the cats want to dance with sweet little 16. That's a weird one. 
it sounds really yeah, familiar. It does. I know. Gosh, well, I'm going to go backwards on this one. Okay. Uh, are you are you getting that the the song doing the infringing or copying was Surfing USA? Yes, the Beach Boys. Yes. All right, and now as for who's singing on the first one, is it was that Fats Domino? Was it the Big Bopper? Who was that? It was Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry. Oh. And the song is "Sweet Little 16. When Surfing USA came out, Chuck Berry's like. Wait, Wait a, a second here. Props to Chuck Berry. He actually confronted the group. They settled it, and Chuck Berry still holds the copyright rights for Surfing USA. Good, hmm. good, because the whole song was Surfing that USA. That was Surfing <laughs> USA. Right, right. Created a right. cover version. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Famous Thanks. influences. Yeah. <laughs> inspired by, <laughs> based on, and inspired by. <laughs> This other song I really like. (laughs) So that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening. And hope you learned a lot of weird histories of the Olympics that, you know, you don't really hear about or see about. You know, that's the the juicy stuff that we like. And you can find us on Zoom Marketplace, on iTunes, uh, on Stitcher, and also on our website, which is goodjobbrain.com. And we're also on Twitter and Facebook. So check us out there. And don't forget to go to Bonobos and check them out, too. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts.